Brilliant. It's um, been great to celebrate Brian's dedication this morning with Kirsty, hasn't it? And, um, you know, I, I, I'm sure many of you have got to know Kirsty a little bit, but I, I love Kirsty's story um, and, and how she's come to be here today. Um, and the fact that she was baptized a couple of weeks ago, um, which was pretty incredible. It was great to celebrate that with her too, and that she's now here dedicating um, Brian to God. You know, and I think about her story and the difficulties that she's been through and how she's here now and will, will readily tell you that God is at work in an amazing way in her life. And that the result of that is, that is Kirsty's response. First of all, to commit herself to him uh, through baptism and, and then to now to be able to celebrate with her the commitment of Brian to God um, through this dedication. You know, and, I, and I think it's fantastic to see Kirsty's heart for God and her response to him. I think it's lovely. It's brilliant. And I just love seeing, seeing you here. And to see how, how your life has been transformed. Uh, how it's radically different now from what it was just a few months ago. And, um, and the journey that, that you've been on. And I, I'm really, you know, as we were singing about and I was praying about how you have experienced God's love at work in your life in a new way. Um, and how it's brought you life. It's meant that you can live uh, in a way which wasn't possible before. And, and you know that's what it's all about, isn't it? Yes. You know, we, we say, don't we, as a church, that we're here to see God's love transform lives as we follow him. And, and it's great to be able then to celebrate with Kirsty what God has been doing in your life and the transformation which has, has taken place um, for you. And we trust Will for Brian too, um, as he grows. But I want us just to, to stop and to step back for a second and to think about what has happened here this morning with this dedication? Because I actually think that what has happened is quite incredible. You know, essentially what has happened today is, is that Kirsty has taken Brian, her child who is so precious to her, and she has publicly declared, God, thank you for Brian. And now I want to give Brian to you. I want to entrust him to you. I want to commit him to you. I want to dedicate his life to you. Just as a couple of weeks ago, I publicly committed my own life to you too. You know, today I want to say, God, that ultimately Brian is your child. Help me to raise him to know that and to live for you. And, and for those of you who are in church regularly, that probably all sounds very normal. And as you hear that, you probably think, that's fantastic, what a great decision. And you're right, there's nothing better. But if you aren't regularly in church, then... What Kirsty has done today might seem pretty strange. And you might be left thinking, that's great for you. Obviously, it means a lot to you, but I don't get it. I don't get why you'd want to do that. And, and you know, I actually think that's a really, really good question to ask. And when we all realize how significant what is going on here today is, I think it's a question that all of us need to ask and all of us need to be able to answer. Why would we give? Why would we dedicate? Why would we commit our children, our most precious possession, to God? Why would we give our own lives and dedicate our own lives and commit our own lives to God? Not just believe in God and know that God exists, not just pray to God, but to give Him our very lives and the lives of our children. Not just as a one off thing, but continually, day in, day out, to dedicate our lives to someone else. When you stop and think about it, that's a pretty big deal, isn't it? 
Why would we do that? And maybe as I ask that question, a few different things come to mind for you. Maybe you're thinking, well, this is why I do it. This is why I make that decision every day of my life and I never regret it. This is my reasons why I want to give my life to God. But it may be that actually you sit there and what's going on inside is a little bit more uncertain. You know God is real, you believe in him, you pray to him, you come to church, but the idea of of dedicating your entire life to him, of living for him, that's something that you wrestle with and, and you're not sure about. Something you might say, well yeah, I know that's what it's meant to be, but really doing that? Or it may be that actually you're You're simply here today because someone's invited you along. Or because you wanted to see what church was like and you're not even really sure what what you believe. And so this morning, I simply want to share with you some of the things that come to my mind as I look to answer that question. Why would I dedicate my life to God? Why would I dedicate the lives of my children to God? And my hope and my my prayer is that as I do that, that God will be speaking to you and stirring something within your heart. For you to have reasons, again, to to maybe celebrate that ongoing decision that you're making and to rejoice in what it is that you do every day or maybe stirring something in your heart for you to make a change and for you to, to give your life to God for the very first time. You know, one of the reasons that I think God loves it when we, when we dedicate our children or when we dedicate ourselves to him is because, do you know what? He has been the one who has been involved in our lives from the very beginning. You know, God was there at the moment of your conception. He was there in the creation process. He isn't a God who, who simply set the universe in motion and then stands back at a distance and watches He is intimately involved in the creation process of every single person, of you and of me. Do you know that you are a miracle? You are. I remember years ago coming across a guy called Louis Giglio. Some of you might have come across him too. And I remember him sharing some facts about just how amazing our bodies are and being struck in a new way by the great miracle of creation. And so I want to share some facts with you today and just remind you um, how you began. You know, you began as just one single cell. One tiny single cell. One cell containing something brand new, something unique, something never been seen before. A completely unique strand of DNA. And if you took that one strand of DNA in that one cell, what you would discover is a three billion character description of who you are. Written in the language of God. And this three billion character description of you is so detailed and so amazing that if I was to read your DNA, reading one character a second, day and night, without stopping, it would take me 96 years just to read the description of you. Isn't that incredible? And this description of you would be unique. You're unlike any other person. You have your own unique design, your own unique fingerprints, your own unique personality. Isn't it incredible that that God finds unique ways to identify his children? 
that we're special and that we're unique and he marks each one of us out as such. And then you see what happens is this one single cell does, does the unthinkable. It sets out to build the thing which is described within it. And it starts to multiply. If we can put the picture up on the screen, that would be great. Here is a picture of what you would have looked like at three days old in the womb. That single cell has multiplied into 16 cells. And to give you an idea of the size of this, those 16 cells are currently sat on the tip of a safety pin. And so your one, sing, one single cell turns into 16 cells on its way to multiplying again and again to become the 75 trillion cells that make up your body right now. And each one of those 75 trillion cells contains this 3 billion character code of your DNA. In fact, you know, there's so much DNA in you that if you stretched it all out from end to end, each single cell's worth of DNA stretches out to be about six feet long. So if you stretched all of your DNA in your body out from end to end, it would stretch from the moon and back 178,000 times. Isn't that incredible? It's mind-boggling, isn't it? That's all inside your body. That's how amazing God made you to be. Let me tell you about a miracle that happened when you were around five months old in the womb. At that time, around one million optic nerve endings left the optic nerve center of your brain, heading for one million optic nerves from your eye. And each optic nerve had to find the exact right match in order for things to work. So you're looking for the exact partner, one million looking for one in a million. And as they found their exact matched partner, in that instant you had sight. You know, you are a miracle. That kind of thing doesn't happen by accident. A million things heading for one another and finding the right one. You are a miracle. And the God of heaven is the one who created you and he does not make mistakes. But this is what King David wrote when he was gripped by this truth in Psalm 139. Well-known verses. He writes this. He says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. You know, God isn't just the creator of your flesh and bones. He knows your inmost being. He knows you better than you know yourself. He knit you together in your mother's womb. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. He designed you. You are unique and special to him. He cares for you. And as your designer, he knows what's best for you. He knows the kind of life that you were designed for, the kind of life in which you will thrive. And, you know, as any good parent knows, the moment that the baby is is born is not the end, but only the beginning. 
The creation of, of a child is only the beginning. It's the beginning of the hard work and the graft and the sleepless nights, the changing smelly nappies, all the things that parents don't particularly love doing. But it's also the beginning of the wonderful relationship as you get to know your own children, as you get to um, discover who they are, as you get to invest in them and encourage them, as you get to help guide them and, and shape them, as you, as you get to protect them and discipline them. As you get to put your love for them into action. As you help them to grow and to discover the best of life. The kind of life in which they will thrive. And I, you know, I think that's a beautiful picture of what God does for us. He knitted us together in our mother's womb. He designed us and he made us and he gave us life and personality and he made us unique. But it isn't the end of his involvement in his lives. What he wants, his heart, his purpose, his desire, his plan for us is that we will then live our lives in relationship with him, with him being able to guide us and help us and lead us and encourage us and protect us and discipline us and all the things that a good parent does as he puts his love into action. And when we begin to realize that truth, how could you not want to entrust your life to him? You know, sometimes I think we end up treating God, if we stay in the analogy of children and parents, we can end up treating God a bit more like the way a grumpy teenager might treat their parents. You know, communication's kept to a bare minimum. You tend to communicate with a kind of grunt or two. Uh, there's this kind of expectation um, that the, the parent's job is there to provide food for you and a roof over your head. But after that, really all you want is to kind of be left on your own and have freedom to do what you want to do. That you, you think you know best and, and you want to do your own thing. That is until there's that point of a crisis and then suddenly we all revert back to being children again and we cry out, Dad, help! Come and pick me up. I'm stranded at the other side of town. I need some money. Can you lend me some? And suddenly we go back to, to needing something from our parents. And while it might sound silly, do you know what? I don't think that's always so far away from our relationship with God and how we can be. Maybe you accept that he made you. You accept that he exists. But is he someone who you welcome to be involved in every part of your life? Is he someone who you include in your daily decisions? Someone who, who is with you in every moment, who you want with you in every moment? Or is he just someone who you cry out to when you need something? And when things go wrong, when that crisis point hits? And do you know one of the incredible things, though, about God that makes trusting him, that makes giving my life to him a no-brainer for me, is that even... When my attitude stinks, and that's the way that I treat him. Even when I've made a mess of everything, no matter where I'm at in my thinking or what it is that I've done, I know that whenever I cry out to him, he always answers. Now, Jesus tells us an amazing um, story in Luke, which I think gets this across to us. Uh, before I read part of it, though, let me just set the scene. There's a young man, a, a grumpy teenager, so to speak, who has, has grown up with wealth and in the comfort and security of his father's house. But really, he just wants the freedom to do what he wants to do. To do his own thing. He thinks he knows best. 
And so he chooses to reject everything that his father has stood for and all that his father's provided for him. And he, he says to his dad that my inheritance, all the things that would be mine when you die, I want it all now. I want nothing to do with you. As far as I'm concerned, you could be dead for all I care. But I want what I can get out of you. And then I want the freedom to go and do it all my own way. And so the young man, he he takes the inheritance and he goes and he lives for himself and he does the things that he wants. He does it all his own way. He parties, he drinks, he socializes and he uh, does everything he's ever wanted to do. And he seems to be having a great time until he's not. The money's gone, and he finds his friends all leave him too. And so this young man finds himself in the worst of situations, feeding pigs while having nothing to eat himself and starving to death. And this is what Jesus says next in, in Luke 15, 17 to 24. It says, when he came to his senses, this is the, the grumpy teenager, when the grumpy teenager came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Do you know God's heart for his children, for Brian, who we dedicated today, and for each one of you, is to be involved in our lives. He's like the father in this story, who is longing for his children to come on home. And it doesn't matter what you've done, it doesn't matter how long you've been away from God, or what situations you've found yourself in. If you want to have a relationship with God, do you know what your heavenly father always says? Come on home. Come on home. I've been longing for this day. If you've been feeling distant from God and feel like you've drifted away from him, he is saying to you, come on home today. Just longing for you to turn to me. And you know, it is this incredible love of God that gives me such a sense of security that as I give my life to God, as I dedicate my life to God, that I can trust Him. That I don't have to worry about failure. I don't have to worry about being good enough. I don't have to worry about the mess that I make. Because I know that when I turn to Him, when I cry out to Him, no matter what, God always welcomes me home. He always welcomes me back into his arms again. And when that's our God, why would I not want to dedicate my life to him? But if that's not enough, this love of God actually goes even further. 
Because he sacrificed everything for you and for me and for little Brian. You know, I think this is a principle that holds true. The level of sacrifice that we will make is directly connected to the level of relationship or love that we have. You know, we all stood up early this morning, didn't we, and and said that we commit to support Kirsty and Brian, that we're going to stand with them and encourage them and pray for them, and we will. You know, as a church family, we will all play our part. But you know, for some of us, it'll be from a distance. What we'll actually give up, what we'll actually sacrifice for Brian, if we're honest, is probably going to be fairly minimal. Because we might not have that strong a relationship. But if you're close friends or family, then your level of sacrifice will probably be higher. You're more likely to be willing to spend time with him, to take him out for the day, to have him over for a weekend and give Kirsty a break. You know, you might be more willing to, to, to kind of dedicate, to pray for him, to, to buy presents for him and remember his birthday and just generally nurture your relationship with him. And rightly so, because your connection to him and your love for him is that much closer. And what friends and family do is generally nothing compared to what a good parent will do. You know, for Kirsty, her sacrifice for Brian's going to be sleepless nights. It's going to be having to, to nurse him when he hurts himself and when he's sick. It's going to be giving up her own time. It's going to be giving up her own wants and her own needs to provide and care for Brian. Because that's what a good parent does, isn't it? A good parent sacrifices for their children. But you know, what we do for our children in order to care for them and provide for them is nothing but a pale reflection of the sacrifice God was willing to pay in order to have relationship with you and with me. In order to provide for and care for you and me. Do you know, God looked at you and he looked at me and he knew what our greatest need was. And because he's our loving Heavenly Father, because we're his children, he was willing to pay the cost and make the sacrifice in order to meet our greatest need. And, and you might be sat there today and you might wonder, well, what, what need is that? I feel pretty alright. I don't really think I need anything. But if we're honest with ourselves, we all have a conscience. We all have something within us that tells us right from wrong. We've all got something which is written, some kind of standard, which is written into that three billion character code DNA, which if we're honest, we know we don't match up to. You know, I know that there are ideals that I have written on my heart as to what it means to be a good person, what it means to love people, what it means to care for people that I don't always match up to. You know, none of us are perfect. And the thing is that when we look around at everyone else who's also not perfect, it's easy then to start thinking, well, that's just normal. That's just the way that we are, and we just accept it, and we feel comfortable with it. But the reality is that the mistakes that we make in life, the times when we fall short of our own standard, let alone God's standard, are what the Bible calls sin. And not only is the result of these mistakes, of this sin, damage and hurt in our lives and in the lives of the people around us that we all readily see, but it also results in damage to our relationship with God. It separates us from Him and excludes us from not only intimacy with Him here and now, but for all eternity. And that's why we all have a a great need. That's why in God's love for us, he acted to meet that need. Even though it would cost him the greatest sacrifice. 
God knows your greatest need and he loved you so much that he sent his own son into this world. He sent Jesus into this world and Jesus lived a perfect life which none of us could manage. And he died on the cross in our place. Jesus took all the things that we did, all of the wrong, all the mistakes that we made, all the rejection of God, all of the selfishness, all the mess that we make as we think we know best. Jesus took all of that, all of that sin on himself, so that when he died on the cross, his sacrifice would make a way for you and for me to have relationship with God again. That's the good news of Jesus. That's love put into action. That's what we call the gospel. And why don't we watch a quick video that simply just tries to communicate in a different way what I've been talking about by unpacking this good news, this gospel. It's the full story of life crushed into four minutes. The entirety of humanity in the palm of your hand crushed into one sentence. Listen, it's intense, right? God, our sins, paying everyone life. The greatest story ever told that's hardly ever told. God. Yes? God. The maker and giver of life. And by life, I mean any and all manner and substance. Seen and unseen. What can and can be touched. Thoughts, image, emotions, love, atoms, and oceans. God. All of it is handiwork. One of which is masterpiece. Made so uniquely that angels look curiously. The one thing in creation that was made with his imagery. The concept so cold. It's the reason I stay bold. How God breathed in a man and he became a living soul. Formed with the intent of being infinitely, intimately fond. Creator and creation held an eternal bond. And it was placed in perfect paradise till something went wrong. A species got deceived and started lusting for his job. An odd list of complaints. As if the system ain't working. And used that same breath he graciously gave us to curse him. And that sin seed spread through our soul's genome. And by nature of your nature... Your species, you participated in the mutiny, our, yes, our sins. It's nature inherited, black in the human heart. It was over before it started. Deceived from day one and led away by our own lust. There's not a religion in the world that doesn't agree that something's wrong with us. The question is, what is it and how do we fix it? Are we eternally separated from a God that may or may not have existed? But that's another subject. Let's keep grinding besides trying to prove God is like defending a lion, homie. It don't need your help. Just unlock the cage. Let's move on on how our debt can be paid. Short and sweet. The problem is sin. Yes, sin. It's a cancer. An asthma. Choking out our life force, forcing separation from a perfect and holy God. And the only way to get back is to get back to perfection. But silly us, trying to pass the course of life without referring to a syllabus. This is us. Keep up your good deeds. Chant, pray, meditate. But all of that, of course, is spraying cologne on a corpse. Or you could choose to ignore it as if something don't stink. It's like stepping in dog poop and refusing to wipe your shoe. But all of that ends with how good is good enough. Take your silly list of good deeds and line them up against perfection. Good luck. That's life past your pay grade. 
The cost of your soul, you ain't got a big enough piggy bank. But you could give it a shot. But I suggest you throw away the list. Because even your good acts are an extension of your selfishness. But here's where it gets interesting. I hope you're closely listening. Please don't get it twisted. It's what makes our faith unique. Here's what God says is part A of the gospel. You can't fix yourself. Quit trying. It's impossible. Sin brings death. Give God his breath back. You owe him. Eternally separated. And the only way to fix it is someone die in your place. And that someone got to be perfect. Or the payment ain't permanent. So if and when you find a perfect person, get him or her to willingly trade their perfection for your sin and death in. Clearly, since the only one that can meet God's criteria is God, God sent himself as Jesus to pay the cost for us. His righteousness his death functions as payment. Yes, payment. Wrote a check with his life, but at the resurrection we all cheered because that means the check cleared. Pierced feet, pierced hands, blood-stained son of man, fullness, forgiveness, free passage into the promised land. That same breath that God breathed into us, God gave up to redeem us. And anyone and everyone, and by everyone, I mean everyone, who puts their faith and trust in Him, and Him alone, can stand in full confidence of God's forgiveness. And here's what the promise is, that you are guaranteed full access to return to perfect unity by simply believing in Christ and Christ alone. You are receiving life. Yes, life. This is the gospel. God, our sins, paying everyone life. You know, God in his love was willing to act. He was willing to sacrifice Simply so that you could know life. So that you could really live. Now, we read the story earlier, didn't we, of the guy who, of the father, longing for his son to come home. And I think when we look at God, you know, we see so much more than that. He doesn't just simply stop and wait. And stand back and hope. He puts his love into action and he reaches out to us. He makes a way for us to be forgiven. He makes a way for us to be set free. He makes a way for us to come into relationship with him and to know life again. It's not a father who just sits back and and says, yes, I'll welcome you home when you get here. It's a father who comes looking for us and does everything to make it possible. Because that's how much he loves us. That's how much he loves you. And the promise that we find in the Bible is that anyone who accepts the sacrifice that Jesus made, And puts their trust in him. Anyone who says that just as you gave your life for me. So I'm going to dedicate my life to you Jesus. God is right there with open arms saying welcome home. Welcome home. Let me give you life. And my prayer today is that that Brian would grow up. And he would 
know that truth early. That he would grow up and he would trust Jesus. That he would grow up and Jesus would be involved in his life and he would give his life to Jesus at a young age. And he would know life. Real life. In all its fullness. But you know, actually this morning, I believe God wants to call all his children home. And so my encouragement to us all this morning is that it's time to come home to the Father. It's time to dedicate ourselves to God, either for the first time or to make a recommitment to him. To commit the whole of our lives to him. Because you can trust him. He's the one who made you. He's the one who knows what's best for you. He designed you. He's the one who will never give up on you and no matter how much you fail, will always welcome you back again. And he is the one who is willing to put his love into action and sacrifice everything to meet your greatest need. And when that is God's heart for you, why would you not want to dedicate your life to him? Not want to dedicate your family to him? You know, this is something that is relevant to every single one of us because this is more about more than just a one-time decision that we make in the past. This is about a, a daily way of living. Daily making the decision that we choose to trust in Jesus. That we choose not to just live for ourselves, but to live for him. And so it may be that this morning you feel a stirring in your heart. It may be that actually today is a day for a new beginning. It's a day for change. It's a day to, to come home to God. Maybe for the first time. Or maybe as a recommitment, as a way of saying to God, God, I choose again to mark out this day as a day where I say, from this day forth, I dedicate my life to you. I said, I want to finish by giving us all an, an opportunity to respond this morning. And you don't need to do anything complicated. This is simply a matter of, of reaching out to God of recognizing the mistakes that you've made, of saying sorry, of committing yourself to live differently. To know that as you do that, God says, I forgive you. I love you. Welcome home. Let me give you life.